0: Following program contains explicit language and subject matter and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello.
1: It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now?
2: Back. Welcome back, no it's not Welcome Back Cutter. it is the Zero Fucks Podcast, I'm your host k and I'd like to start by saying Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the world. A very unappreciated occupation, um, and today we're going to probably focus in on that more than anything. I've got a, an interview that... I'm going to bring that's been sitting around for a while for a reason. So, we're going to get into that. Um, I'm really going to focus on that. It comes in two parts. There'll be one today and one on Tuesday. And I think it's important that we get it out there. I'll explain a little bit more in a minute. So, let's get started.
0: And... uh,
3: Everybody
2: knows. Okay, so we're going to rip straight into this one. Um, and no little add-ons and names and so forth. Um, mainly because this is a, 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 quite an in-depth interview. There's a long story behind it. And I'm not going to get locked down into... There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes... Firstly, a hard drive crashed. Um, a cyber monkey got it fixed for me, um, Pete the cyber monkey, and then it was about what was the right time. Coronavirus hit. I didn't sort of want to be a dampener. Now, sounds like it's a negative. It's not. It's actually this is a really powerful story. And this is someone that I admire, and it's part of uh, the ongoing. Part that I, I seem to interview really strong women. This woman's name's Jodie. She's a very positive person and a very driven person and I admire her greatly. So you're going to understand when you hear the interview. I didn't want to fuck it up. That's the truth of the matter. I, I've i listened back and I felt I was a little bit self-indulgent about me. This is not about me. This is about her. Um... And I think it's a really good story to tell and it's something we should put out there. I have sat on it since coronavirus came in because I didn't know the right time. Um, I missed an important date, but for good reason. Uh, But today is a very important date. Today's Mother's Day, so I wish, again, I wish all the mothers out there a very happy Mother's Day. And you could be a mother on many different terms. Some that have given birth, some that have mothered other people's children, some that have lost children. Today is really going to touch upon something important. So, um, as I said previously, I admire her. I have a lot of, um, I don't have, in, I have a lot of insight now that I've spoken to her and the understanding of what goes on in someone's life when. Tragedy hits, or and how to turn it around into positivity. So, without getting too further locked into it, please enjoy this interview as I did. It was fantastic. But I guess this will go into and, and what my intro will be and, and what I'll ask you about is how I first discovered you on Instagram and how I was following, That sounds almost stalkerish. I'm going <laughs> to change that. But, it, but it's, it's, it's sort of the, the mentality. I can't tell you how I came across your profile. I still don't know to this day.
4: But that's what Instagram is all about, stalking, to a degree, you know what I mean? And, and some of the messages and things I get in my inbox, it's um, fascinating, really. And then some people, you you actually start to build like a friendship and you, you start to think that you know these people, but actually you don't, you've never met. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's very fascinating.
2: Well, it is. And, and I guess that, well, I mean, we'll start on that fact. Again, I don't know... How it was I came across your profile. Um, and I didn't look, I, don't, I still don't know. The, the first picture that I saw of you on Instagram, I think, uh, I think it was something to do around the time you might have been fallen pregnant, I think. Because the one that sort of stood out for me after that. Was the one where you drew on your stomach
4: oh yes, and it had loading <laughs>
2: and I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was brilliant and um and I guess it was just as you do you know when you follow people on Instagram and you sort of flick through it, and I was relatively new to Instagram at that stage I really not not that I didn't have a handle on it. I think I had joined, but I just I didn't spend time sort of on Instagram, yeah. And that's why I say I can't relate to the Jody story of how did I come across this? Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It just popped up. Well, yeah, I'm going to follow her, see what happens. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that is a bit of a crazy stalker story there. <laughs> let, but let me reassure for everyone that's going to hear this, I have never sent you anything untoward or r No, yeah.
4: that's right. Yeah.
2: And I guess that that is, is part of being a woman in this modern age. It's just... It's just expected that you're gonna get dick pics at some stage.
1: Oh, I know.
2: See, from a man's perspective, we, we talk about dick pics or we'll say, Have you sent one? or you know, you talk to your mates, but we don't have the conversations with women that women sit down and go, Yeah, wouldn't believe this. I got ten dick pics today, or when the numbers start start to fall through, you you go, What the hell? What how does this happen?
4: I just don't understand why it's a thing now and what 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 does it achieve, really? Anyway, I find it strange.
2: Well, it's not. It's not going to achieve anything. It's not. It's pure. It's like a flasher. The old days are for flasher. He'd be walking down the yes. street and sh- flashing his junk at someone, and he would. He's all about him. That's that's in his brain. Um, <laughs> I, I guess that's the only thing. Yeah.
4: Yes, you're
2: probably right. Yeah. Okay, so that that's how I first discovered discovered it sounds so bad discovered um how I first came across your profile and 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 then I was literally um following that progress from there but let's go back a little bit in time and understand firstly because you weren't born in Australia that's correct and how you ended up here like no one would have guessed like of course (laughs)
4: um, <laughs> I got on a plane, but yeah.
2: anyway. Yeah. No. <laughs> but how it was that I mean, growing up in the UK, uh, and how it was, and and uh, and I, I don't, I say this a bit tongue in cheek, and it might seem uh, repetitious to you or a bit boring, but because we live so far away from the rest of the world, in, of the the overpopulated cities of the world, it's a real big effort to just pack up and go overseas like you just it's not thats not the done thing mm. and what I'm finding is that more and more people that that like it's it's a big big culture shock a big change to do that so you know I mean you grew up in the UK you, it's, it's a it's a big spin the complete opposite spin of the world from here how was it that you ended up here
4: I I didn't even really think about it, to be honest, in many ways, because I'd um, qualified from university and needed to find a job, and I didn't want to move to London. don't know why. I just, I just wasn't giving me that pull. So I found a job in Guernsey, Channel Island.
0: Yeah.
4: And I lived there for 12 months, and... I guess, you know, for me, I just wanted to move away from the UK, and it didn't matter where at that point. Um, and so, Guernsey just seemed somewhere far away, but not far away, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, yeah, out of out of the area, but not. not That's
4: right. Still had to get a boat or a plane to get there, so it was far enough away. And I had such a great time and met such a diverse range of people. And I don't know, if, I met a few Australians there, actually. Yeah. Who just opened up my eyes and and was telling me about their life in Sydney. And there were two older women. I used to call them Selma and Louise.
3: <laughs> of course.
4: Who, uh, well, they were both divorcees and... Um, in their late forties, early fifties at the time, just travelling around the world together. Um, they've actually now retired together in uh, Noosa. Oh
0: wow! Okay.
4: And. Um,
0: and they're so, they're, yeah, so, a, they're a couple now.
4: No, no, no! They're just best friends. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so I met them too, and I. I thought, right, so I applied for a job in Canada and I applied for a job in Sydney and just thought, well, whatever comes first, and it was Sydney. So, you know, they told me to apply for this particular hospital and that was the one that they were working at. So I got the job, jumped on a plane, and um, nearly 14 years later here I still am.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, The belief, particularly with nursing and, and, you know, going into the so many different fields within nursing, the leaf I've always been told is that basically you could get work anywhere around the world. Yes. Yeah, okay.
4: And and that's why I did it.
2: Yeah, to have that flexibility.
4: Yeah, that's one of the reasons I went into it because prior, like I, I didn't go to university until I was 20. Um, and so prior to that I was working as a pharmacy technician okay. and was going to go into the world of pharmacy. Um. But it just happened that this nurse came in one day and I got chatting to them and and asked how they, you know, became a nurse and and what they did and so forth. And she stated how it opened up all these opportunities, you know, working on cruise ships, move to Dubai. So um,
2: so that's what I did. Dubai's a pretty big, like a popular destination for um, British nurses, isn't it?
4: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is actually. Yeah. yeah okay. But it, I, I even see the adverts here now. You know, they do big recruitment drives from here um, to Saudi and Dubai and um, those places.
2: Okay. you pretty much. Seven. So
4: yeah.
2: Okay, so then you jump the plane. Oh, you apply for the job and you got the job.
4: Yeah, I did. So I I ended up in in Cogra.
2: Okay. That's a nice mess of a hospital
4: now Uh, Yes So I ended up there And ended up meeting um, A girl called Kate Who had moved down from Tamworth And we'd all started at this hospital At the same time And there was a few other girls Who are now still very good friends of mine Deborah And uh, Sharina And we were all in the same kind of year of starting together, if you like, at St. George. We were all kind of quite newly qualified nurses. Um, And Kate and I ended up getting an apartment together in Piedmont. Yep, yep. Um, And so the four of us became really good friends and did a few road trips together and... I mean, obviously, since that Kate has now moved down the south coast, and Sharina actually now lives in Adelaide, but Deborah and I have always stayed very good friends. In fact, she she went through the whole experience and everything with me.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So she's she's like my family here in Australia now.
0: Okay.
2: And do you still mm. still communicate with the other two?
4: Yes, yeah, so I'm actually going to see Sharina uh, next weekend. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to Adelaide and I haven't seen her for about seven years oh wow yeah
2: good quality time
4: that's right and Kate none of us hear from her that much so it'll be very sporadic but I'm sure that if all of us got together it'd be like we only saw each other yesterday
2: and and this is totally off topic as to what we've spoken about previously but when you're in that group of friends and you're sharing the same job and like there's there's no doubt that there's this traumatic experiences that, that happen every day in that role. Um, do you all look to each other, to back each other up as to what's going, like what everyone's going through?
4: In regards to work?
2: And yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't know that there's a, at that stage, like 15 years ago, you, there was a proper mental health um, care for nursing staff. I don't know there is today.
4: Yeah, no, there is, and there always has been. Yeah, okay. Um, that yeah, they offer that service.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, and and again, that's because there are so many traumatic events that that happen.
3: Oh shit!
4: Yeah. Um, you know, so <clears throat> I mean, I'm quite lucky, if you like, that I, it, you know, I've not, I've seen some quite severe things, but it hasn't really affected me severely. Yeah. I, you know, I. That doesn't make me come across as some kind of cold person, but it, <laughs> I guess I have a different sort of coping mechanism, if you like.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's a particular type of person that will will do well in the job and flourish in the job, versus some people that might be a bit fragile and it's just they're not set up for it. It's um, I um, yeah, I, I personally don't think that I would have the have the ability to do what nurses do. And I, until I've had experience in the, like, not with me personally, but my ex-wife and um, girlfriends and stuff that have been in hospital, you truly don't appreciate what level of work nurses do within a hospital. Mm. Like um, on the birthing side of it, it's just like the doctor just swoops in at the end and goes, there we go and done. Okay, nurse, look after this (laughs) and thanks very much and here's my check, see you later, bye.
4: Like, it's pretty much that, yeah.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's and um when you've got a great nurse, it just changes your life. It changes everything because they just take the stress. I, the first time the first child I had, this nurse, we we literally had no idea what we we're doing, and this nurse just took everything out of our like the stress out of us. And mm. um we sort of woke up five days later and went, Wow, that was pretty awesome experience. So Yeah. Okay, so nursing, you've locked in, you've got your crew, you're at Cogra, and are you enjoying living in Australia at that stage?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was never – I never looked back, you know. I. And then I had one of my best friends who I'd met at the time in Guernsey. She came out to visit me. I think I'd been in Australia about six months at that time. Yeah. Um, She came out to visit and loved it. Um, and was actually planning on coming back, though not long after she then met her partner and ended up falling pregnant, so that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Now, another friend of mine came out to visit some years later who was actually her (laughs) ex-boyfriend. We all used to hang around together in a little crew in Guernsey. He came out to visit me, and he then went travelling and met his now wife, um, who is who was from Germany, um, and they actually live down the road now in Maroubra. Oh, really? Yeah, and an ex-boyfriend of mine that I dated whilst in Guernsey, he actually lives around the corner from me here in Mossman.
2: You've got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> so it's literally you're the recruitment officer for um, <laughs> the Guernsey to Australia.
4: It's, it's quite funny. Um, yeah. I know. It's crazy. It's bizarre. So,
2: yeah. nursing's been your life. That's what, since you've obviously prior to coming out here, but that's what you've been doing since you've been out here. That's
4: right.
2: How about, before we sort of go down the path, how about love and relationships and at this time when you come out here? Because you're an attractive woman. There's going to be no shortage of guys dating you or wanting to date you.
4: When I first came out, obviously I was about 25, yeah. And I'd only been divorced a year, just over a year, year and a half. Yep. And a half. So I wasn't really interested in any settling down whatsoever. Um, I was just enjoying life and friends and work, and that was pretty much my life until I got to about 30, 31. Where I met um, an ex partner of mine, mm-hmm. and then him and I ended up moving in together, and having a very, um, very volatile relationship, should I say? Okay. Um. Yeah, it was quite. It was quite intense. All or nothing, and. So he was in and out of work constantly, which obviously had an effect on the relationship and it also had an effect on, on him, though he would never admit that. <clears throat> and he uh, applied for a job back in London. So I actually moved back with him um, in September 2012,
2: roughly. Oh, back to the UK?
4: Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah.
4: And we lived in London, in Richmond. But um, I didn't want to really live there, to be honest. And I wasn't really enjoying it. And I didn't want to go back to work in the NHS. And so I was struggling to find a job that I wanted to do. And so, and him and I weren't really getting along at this time. It was kind of like a you know, move over and go and see how things happen. But unfortunately that job fell through for him and so in in December the 31st, 2012, I ended up coming back. (laughs) Without him? Yes, but then he followed me back. And we got back together and then we split up in October time,
2: 2013. Okay, so you saw it out. You gave it a a good not, good go. Uh
4: yes, we did. Um but you know, just obviously didn't work out. And um and that was the last relationship I've had.
2: With with um and, and, and I don't want to dwell on it, but what I gauge from you is a, a very strong and independent woman. And um this is what I know of you now obviously since I've been in communication with you and um, that you have got a good handle on what you want and what you expect and what you'll put up with and what you won't. Was this part of your development at this stage where you were sort of like I'm going to be supportive but this isn't working for me?
4: I'd say I've been like that ever since I was probably about 16 years old. Yeah. Ten even actually, ten. Ten years old, I'd say I've been like that.
0: Yeah.
4: So, you know, and I guess I don't know. I just I, I guess I've never been able to rely on anybody. So, you tend to just all you know, it's yourself that you rely on.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And in relationships, I've always been let down. So, you know, you just yeah, you you just become stronger and, and more independent as time goes on. Yeah, and I guess that's what's happened.
2: Yeah, okay. That's um, that's it's, it's a bit heartbreaking actually that, that it's always been the way. Like it's, um yeah.
4: Well, you see, there's a lot of men out there that think they want a strong woman and that an independent. That's what they they say they want, but the reality of it is, is they 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 can't.
2: Because so. they they can't relinquish, or they or they just can't deal with it.
4: Well, they can't. They try to change you, and then they try to take your confidence away from you. And unfortunately, I will never let that happen. So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. you know, I guess it, it
4: doesn't work out. So,
2: yeah, and that, and that's where the they um, the popular phrase that everyone jumps on board with the gaslighting. It yeah, comes into it is you know in order to have some sort of control, you've got to change the way that they see things, and, and to to make out that they're wrong.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, okay. Okay. So that was that relationship and that moved on. Now you have been... And then
4: I obviously get back into the dating world which is just horrific And, (laughs) and, you know, it's just going from one disaster to another disaster or, you know, you're good enough for one thing but you're not good enough to date type of thing, you know. So... Um, and and that's been
0: pretty much it for the last six or so
2: years. Yeah. Is it? Do you think it's hard to, cause for me? And, and advice, you know, and talk about dating, and and I'm sort of stepped back from it in the last twelve months, just to a bad experience, and it, it's not. It's not at like the forte of everything I've got going on. I've got too much going on to sort of. Yeah,
4: that's right.
2: Well, I feel like the same yeah. at the moment. So. But do you think that there comes a point? So what I I mean is when it comes to, say, dating apps, right, because that's the the go-to now, right? There's no such thing as – people don't even go online on their computers. It's all on their phones and that's the way it is. And I find the difference between men and women is that men will stay on it forever and not be phased by it, which I am. When I decided I wasn't going to date, I I couldn't be bothered going through and taking it off. I just left it there. I just went, no, I I don't care. Whereas women will go hard for two weeks, delete the apps. Yeah. Then they'll re download the apps again. <laughs> and then they'll go hard for a month to go, oh, I'm sick. of it's like, I'm not doing it anymore. No, I'm not doing it anymore. And they'll be back. I see that. And I talk to women, and so regularly there's that frustration. They just, uh, enough's enough sort of thing.
4: I think what I feel, what's happened to me when I meet people is they kind of come into my life. We go on a few dates. Then it just, kind of fizzles out to nothing because i'm not giving them the physical side for example or whatever they're they're not really wanting to get to know me then they think the grass is greener so they go off elsewhere for a while and then all of a sudden they come back
3: yeah
4: Yeah. wanting to give things a second third fourth go and so like obviously going through everything that i went through in the last 12 months has made me reevaluate everything including that aspect of my life because I was seeing somebody for nearly three years on and off, wasting my time with this person who just continued to waste my time. And I don't know what the attraction was or the why I just continued. It, it almost sort of became like a project to me, I guess, an unhealthy project of trying to pin that person down, even though, he had no emotional intelligence whatsoever. So, and he was a very selfish person. So it was never going. It was never ever going to be anything, or never going to work. But um, for some reason, I just kept going back and being treated like a yo-yo.
2: Did yeah. um, it was obviously a, a, a physical and a mental attraction to him in some way. Yes.
4: Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and that was the. So were you hoping for some substance behind it?
4: Well, absolutely. I mean, the thing the, – I think – I met this person actually uh, 10, 11 years ago. I was about 26, something like that, 26, 27. And I, it was very brief. We met briefly and we went – we had a little brief fling, but nothing physical happened between the two of us at that time. We just went – we just hung out for a little while.
0: Yeah.
4: And then that just became – nothing um and then obviously 11 years later i see him on this app and uh, he's very guard. he's a very guarded person and it takes him a long time to trust someone but and i and it just it was always like one step forward and turn back so for me it just became frustrating and just it was never going to go anywhere and he was wasting my time and my life yeah so the point that now I've just thought you know enough is enough I don't want him coming into this year
0: yeah.
4: and and stopping me moving forward
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah it's um uh, I, I have I haven't had enough experience outside of relationships and and the dating side to know currently like what that that is I'm, I'm a little bit naive to the th- I th- I sort of think that I'll meet the right one and it'll just everything will fall into place and that's the way it'll happen. And it's
4: Well but that's what it should happen. I mean and for both my sisters that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. And the middle one's on her second marriage and you know, so that's what's happened to her twice. Yeah. Yeah. And so they they can't understand why it's so hard for me. Well, A I don't live in a tiny little village with
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Good pickings, you know. Um it's a completely
2: different game altogether yeah and particularly sydney sydney's like as much as it's a a larger city and the largest in in australia it's also a transient city where you have people coming in and out of it for business and um you know oh we're gonna i'll be here for 12 months or two years and and then they're like, okay, well, I've, I'm moving now to Melbourne or like
0: there's a...
4: Yeah, and so all they're interested in is little flings. And unfortunately for myself, throughout the last seven years, I have only met these people who are interested in short term.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: So, you know, that, they're the types of people for whatever reason I have attracted. I mean, you know, one, one person even openly said, you know, oh, you're so gorgeous, you're so perfect, you need to be spoiled, this, that, and the other. Will you be a sugar baby for me? I'm here for two months. Oh, really? um, I'm not 25, thank you for the offer, and no thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. you know, it's just like, and that, that's constant for me.
0: Yeah.
4: That type of behaviour.
2: I mean, so I've got to it, say he's got balls to put it on the line but it sort of just gives an emptiness to his, To me, to his soul. Like, hey, you've got two months. How about we just hang out for two months and after that never see each other again?
4: Well, this is what I mean. And so nobody's actually really wanting to develop anything or get to know somebody and it's just so, yes, transient.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is.
4: Relationships are transient. Yeah. And they're becoming more so. So when I moved to Cairns, I thought I would meet a different calibre, a more family-orientated type of person. Um, And in some ways, yes. But again, I just, you know, again met the wrong person or I chose the wrong person, should I say. I always choose the wrong one.
2: So that is probably the best segue that I've ever heard on a podcast that I've done as to how you ended up in Cairns. What was the catalyst of getting you to Cairns?
4: So I, I, was, I was doing a big job at that time. I was um, a director of nursing. I was managing a small surgical hospital. And I'd taken on that role because that's what I was working towards and then next step was CEO and that was my career path. So – I took on that role and just thought, well, I'm selling my life to work, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And that's that's not what I wanted. I was somebody who was in my mid to late thirties, wanting to find someone, have a family, and and that was what I was wanting. And working how I was working was not allowing me even time to socialize. Um You know, work became my life, and Mm. I didn't want that. So I decided to give that job up and just move to Cairns. Now, I've always gone on a lot of holidays up to Port Douglas. It's one of my favorite little getaways in Australia, and it has been since I first moved here. And I've been going pretty much every year or every other year since I moved here. So okay. I decided um, um, I'll move to Cairns, So, and that's what I did. And I started dating pretty much as soon as I got up there.
0: <laughs> you
2: didn't walk around town with a sign with a saying single.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I jumped on the apps, and there was a way of meeting people at the same time. And yeah. funnily enough, I'd been up there on holiday um, just months earlier, And on one of the dating apps, got chatting to this person. Um, Seemed lovely, but I wasn't really interested in dating. Anyway, this person then actually ended up helping me find a place to live when I came up. And um, it was one of his friends who was renting out his granny annex flat thing. And so um, he picked me up from the airport, the friend, and it was all very nice, moved into his granny annex, I even met that person that I'd met online. We all went and had drinks at his place and and I started meeting people. Um, and then I moved out of there and moved in with uh, somebody else, started renting a room off somebody else.
0: Yep.
4: And decided to get back out dating. Now, I was multi-dating at the time.
2: Player. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah. Well no. <laughs> don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. No. I uh, no. But this is what everybody does. Yeah, that's right? right. So, you know, the program the bachelor and the bachelorette. I mean, we don't need to watch it. We just need to everyone's living it. This is the life. This is the way people are in life today. Yeah. You know. And again, not keeping all your eggs in one basket. But what this does, and obviously I've come to realize, is you're never, ever getting to know one person. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It, it's all just superficial from one to the next to the next to the next. And then you you tend to gravitate towards one more than the other and then actually you've chosen the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, and and that's that's kind of what happened up in Cairns.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I met a couple of pilots up there.
0: Yeah.
4: One was young, and um, I had a you know I had a really great time with him. Took me on some very nice dates and had a lovely time, but I knew he wasn't at that same stage in life as I was, so I knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah, okay. Then I met, then I met the opposite side, another pilot who was at my stage in life, but he was very full on. He was wanting everything in fast forward, and he practically wanted me to move in with him after I'd known him for several weeks. Okay. And that all just became a bit too much for me. Um, sort of scares you off, really. It's red flags. Yeah. And so then I ended up meeting Tom, mm-hmm. who sort of seemed middle of the ground. But at the same time, not really into commitment. So we hung out together for a few, you know, a few times. And oops, I fell pregnant.
2: So, and, 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 and this is what we're going to get on to about the pregnancy. We've, did he capture your heart? Did he capture your full attention or was it
0: let's
4: – No, he did actually at the time. Yes, he yeah. did. Yeah. Um, I guess he's from the UK too, so um, he's English. Background, we kind of had that in common. And and I, I, to me, you know, we, we got along quite well. But obviously falling pregnant was not – in his picture, and you
2: know, too much commitment for him, so ran to the hills. So, so let's say at this this stage and, and where you're at, you're very comfortable about becoming a mum. It's high on your priority list. Of at some stage, you want to have a family. Yeah. Um, your sisters, they both have children at this stage. Oh yes, they're, they've both got children. Yeah. So and um, and I guess I never recapped on that you have you're the oldest of three, aren't you? Yeah, that's
4: right.
2: Yeah. So um, and they're both into relationships and being married and having kids and, and yep. with everything that you've done and where you're at, you're like yeah, okay, well, didn't plan it, but I'm pregnant and uh, this is the way it's going to go.
4: Yep.
2: So you're up in Cairns this is not Tom's priority, How how is how's that working out for you at that stage? How are you feeling?
4: Um, look, you know, I was all sort of like, that's fine, you know, you, you don't need to be involved if, if you don't wish to, but uh, it's going ahead. And, um, you know, I was, uh, gave him the choice basically, um, let him go off and, and deal with that. Um, but then I was obviously thinking, right, well, I actually need to be around my support network, yeah. which is back home in Sydney. Yeah. Um, so I I then started planning on moving back, um, because I just knew he wasn't in any, mark. He didn't want to continue, obviously, with me, um, and, and it was all just too much for him.
2: Now, so this is this is where. Uh, the Jody that I'm understanding and, and I've been chatting to has just steps up automatically and goes, Well, this is the situation, this is what I'm going to do, and you can either be a part of it or not. Did, how did that feel when he just was non committal? Well,
3: look, uh, you
4: know, it took him some time, and he did come around to it in the end and, and apologized for his behavior. And then stated he you know, because I said to him, I said you don't need to have any involvement. I said you don't even need to be on the birth certificate. Yeah. So, you know, this is how you're acting. Um and I said, and I'll be moving to Sydney, so that's fine.
2: How did, how did you um, how did you feel personally? Like there's a there's a lot to take in. Firstly, you know, with the pregnancy and, and you've now isolated yourself from your base. How how were you feeling when he was sort of, I guess, I mean, he's still non-committal really. That's what he was. Mm. How were you feeling at that time?
4: Fine, to be honest, because, you know, I've I've been used to doing everything by myself, as I told you, for so long in my life that, to be honest, I was even expecting that from him. I wasn't expecting anything other. Yeah. So, you know. I just put it in process and then come January moved back to Sydney.
2: Were you um excited about being pregnant?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was.
2: So this yeah. is where at some stage, this is at the point in time you move back to Sydney, this is where I have come across you on Instagram. Yeah. And you're capturing uh, being pregnant and rejoicing in it and posting things about uh, being a mum and and I guess that's the side of me that I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for kids and and babies and people having babies and and, um, I never knew you, I've never met you, (laughs) I've never (laughs) – I was, and, and this is, you know, social media. It's like, wow, this is pretty awesome. This is a woman going it alone, and and your posts and everything was just so positive and and so um, excited about being a mum. And the one I yeah. saw was, and I think it was coming into. I reckon it was about November. I, I, I'm just, I made a heap of notes. When we first chatted, and I, I think it was around November, and it basically was, you're in a like a crop top, you had your stomach out, and you had written on it fifty. I'm pretty sure it said fifty percent loading.
4: Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm digging that. And you know, and and, and the thought is, oh man, I didn't think of stuff like that. Like it just, it, it never occurred to me. Social media wasn't around when I had my kids, so it was a, it was a big. It's a big shift and and watching from afar, it's just nice like that, and that's my soft side right I'm a softie when it comes to kids, so that's that that soft part um so then, as you posted, I sort of follow that journey, so that's the end of two thousand and eighteen um coming into the new year um what was your due date
4: uh it was.
2: June the twenty seventh. Okay, so June the twenty seventh. It's um, my son was actually due on the twentieth of June, twentieth, twenty first of June. Yeah. And he had to be um, induced on the thirtieth.
3: Oh wow! Yeah, he
2: wasn't going anywhere. So I refer to him as my taxation baby. <laughs> his son, that's how you know tax time. <laughs> as soon as he starts putting on orders <laughs> in for for his birthday present, yeah, oh, okay. Next time. Okay, so June the 27th. How was the pregnancy from the time you fell up until sort of January?
4: So I was always worried that something was going to happen from the beginning. Um, so for the first five weeks, I was paranoid I was just going to miscarry. Um, but everything was going fine. But at this point in me, I just was expecting something to go wrong. Um, and I think that's because of what happened to my sister.
0: Yeah.
4: So I just I don't know why I just felt that that was going to happen to me, but she she said the same thing when she when she fell pregnant with Matthew. I remember her being nearly oh, six months, and at that point, people are buying things and getting things prepared, you know. And she hadn't bought one thing, and I just remember saying to her, why haven't you got anything yet? She goes, because I don't think I'm bringing this baby home, Jodie. Yeah. And then she obviously went into premature labour a couple of weeks after that conversation.
2: How um, how early, how far premature was she?
4: She was a bit more further gone than I was, so she was um, 26 weeks pregnant. She was two weeks more than me. Yep,
0: yep.
4: So he lived for 10 days, 10 11 days? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of going through all that with her, it kind of just... I don't know why I felt the same thing, but I did. And so I purposely just five months was going out and buying things but at the same time feeling like I shouldn't yeah and I remember buying an outfit the first outfit and I just remember oh I went to go and buy it and I just cried and then put it back yeah and walked out the shop
2: and you just had no, I guess. Because I just
4: knew it wasn't going to happen.
0: Yeah.
4: For some reason. Even though, you know, all my checkups at that point, there was nothing to believe that there was anything untoward or anything out of the ordinary at this point.
2: Yeah. And, and so the expectation for most people that, haven't heard your story or aren't a part of it, is that? Well, you're a nurse; you know what, yeah. what's going on. Your experts. you should know. Yeah. Um, as a male, I will never understand a hundred percent the female body. I don't own one. I don't. It, I don't know how you drive those things. I find it's <laughs> the most amazing vehicle in the universe as to what a female body can do. From the minute the conception takes place, it starts to change, and it changes. There's nothing in a male's life that ever replicates that. There's nothing. Like it's, it's such an amazing thing. But with that comes hormone imbalance. It comes um, you can gain weight from stupid things. You can lose weight from stupid things. You can have iron deficiencies. Like it's. there's so many things that women have to be aware of or prepared for but sometimes the warning signs aren't just there. Yeah. So that's – you're in a phase where um, you're not 100% confident but you're really excited about being – where was there any indication at stage where you were, oh, this just doesn't feel right for me? Um, when did it all
3: happen?
2: Mm.
4: So… Um, at this, obviously at this point I was living with my friend
3: yeah.
4: um, and I think I just, and I was working casually at um, Northern Beaches Hospital and I just finished a leg shift and I wasn't feeling very well actually. And um, I don't know, I just felt something wasn't right.
0: Yeah.
4: And I probably left it too long because, again, that's what nurses tend to do unless you're actually dying. You don't really do much about anything. Um, and I just remember waking up in the middle of the night and feeling this pressure and crying to my friend saying, I just want this baby out of me now. Yeah. Because I think at that point she just dropped. Um,
2: oh, because premature.
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
4: And so the next day I carried on. Um, I even went and got my hair done. And I was getting public transport at that time and I remember getting onto the bus and I just needed to sit down and I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I'd managed to get home and I'd gone to bed that night. I woke up in the morning and my friend was like, that's it, I'm taking you to hospital. And then I'd, I'd actually started bleeding a little bit too. So she goes, right, that's it. And her friend who's a midwife, um, she rang her. And she said, yeah, get her to um delivery unit now. So I I was actually in labour that day.
2: And this is at I twenty-four weeks.
4: It was at twenty-three weeks.
2: Twenty-three weeks, yeah.
4: Twenty-three weeks and two days or something. Yeah. And so um they were just monitoring me. Um there was no full on signs of active labour. I was just having um like contractions at that time. And so they put me on strict bread rest. Yeah. And was just giving me pain relief. And at that point I'd had a, a urine infection that that's they were treating me for that as well.
0: Yep. Yep.
4: Um and then that obviously resolved and then obviously they were treating me for threatened, premature labor. Um, but I knew after seeing the um, neonate, neonatal doctor who had come to speak to me um, the day before it all happened, asking me what I wanted at that time, and if I was to go into labour now, did I want full active resus? At which I had stated, yes, I did. Um, then the next day I'd, I'd gone into full on labour. It was about 7.30am in the morning. And they just didn't know what was going on with me. Yeah. They didn't know at all what was going on. They couldn't. They'd rushed me down for a, a tests, of which all came back negative. To so at which point I was in the delivery room and for her, the, doc, the main doctor came in and, and said, look, you know, it's not what we thought it was, which is good. We're yep. just going to sit on you for a while and try and keep her inside.
0: Yep.
4: To so at which point I was deteriorating. Um, and so she'd obviously rang her consultant and her consultant had said to her, get that baby out now, otherwise you're going to have two two dead people. Yeah. So she came rushing in, broke my waters. Ten minutes later, there she was.
2: Ten minutes, okay,
4: wow. Yeah, it was all very quick.
2: How do you remember at that time? Obviously, you're deteriorating. That did you take any consideration that your health was at risk to the point that it was?
4: Uh, look, I was in no uh, fit state to be honest. Yeah.
2: To
0: uh,
4: of any kind of, of to have any thought, I was literally very, very sick. Yeah. So I, I didn't even know what was happening. Everything just all happened so fast and was taken out of my hands and my control. Yeah. That I just, just didn't have, you know, it, I just went with it all because I was too sick to even fight anything
3: at that point.
0: Yeah.
2: That's where we're going to leave it for now. Um, There is a lot more to talk about. Our interview went on for a lot longer than that. But I just wanted to capture, at this stage, all I've spoken about is this is Jodie. If you know her or she's passed on this link to her, you'll know what a sort of person that she is. But I'm not going to reveal too much. I want you to come back and listen to the second part and understand at the end of that I'll, um, I'll give you a little bit more Understanding who she is. Um, and obviously with her blessing, I think she's she's a very strong character and someone I feel very fortunate to um, have chatted to. So don't forget on Tuesday, this is now Sunday, so it's quite possible that you'll get these back-to-back. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to put it out there, particularly for Mother's Day for her. I think she deserves a recognition. And um, we'll follow it up on Tuesday. Thanks again for listening I'm going to sum it up With a song I think that pretty much Describes who she is And Until um, next time
1: Every single day Down the street, I hear people say, Baby, so sweet. Ever since puberty, everybody stares at me, boys, girls. I can't help it, baby. So be kind and don't lose your mind. Just remember that I'm your.
2: Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to. Remember you can find all Gorilla Radio podcasts on all good podcast catches and maybe some bad ones. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gorilla Radio Australia and Twitter on Gorilla underscore KMAC. And don't forget the website gorilla for all other information and thank you for taking the time to listen.
1: Thank you! Randy. Goodbye. Bye now.
3: Goodbye. Oh, my God. Fucking Chinese.